This is the political beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. On today's episode, we will talk about New York Attorney General Letitia James' civil fraud lawsuit against Donald Trump in New York and his adult children seeking at least $250 million. An emergency hearing was held yesterday after Donald Trump filed a frivolous verified answer. Want to get Cohen's reaction to that. The next thing we're going to talk about is Alina Haba still Donald Trump's lawyer or not? She was not at yesterday's emergency hearing, and in the E. Jean Carroll federal lawsuit, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, filed a document saying Haba was going to withdraw. This comes after Donald Trump and Haba were sanctioned over $1 million by a federal judge in the Southern District of Florida. Legal troubles continue to mount for the MAGA trader fraud. George Santos, the FBI has opened up a new investigation, and George Santos and the MAGA Republicans have now replaced their American lapel pins with AR-15 lapel pins. It is utterly disgusting. There it is right there. And Matt Gates was called out by Congressman Cicilline at the Judiciary Committee. Matt Gates was called out as an insurrectionist. We're going to talk about that here. And Cohen will react to Donald Trump saying some things about Michael Cohen. This is not just an interview, folks. This is a new podcast. It is called Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. You were watching the first episode. Michael Cohen, this is so great to do this with you. So tell the folks how this come about. All right. To the Midas Touch family, to the Maya Culpa family. Let me just give you a little bit of a background story here on how this all materialized. What ended up happening is Ben, Jordy, Brett, the Micellis brothers, we all became friends um, approximately two years ago when I started uh, Maya Culpa. Midas Touch has been involved. But we became friends over the course of the past two years to the extent that we would speak at nighttime with all of this nonsense and craziness going on. I would speak you know, a lot uh, and mostly really to Ben um, about some of the things that are happening, some of the things that I'm involved with so that he would be able to share it with you, the Midas family. And ultimately what ended up happening is I started, as you all know, coming on the various different programs and things lit up. We're now at 20,000 people, 30,000 people, 50,000 people started joining in order to listen to our raw, uncensored, unfiltered, as you know, I have a filthy mouth, uncensored, um, explanations of what is transpiring right now in America, in our unfortunate uh, you know, democracy and in our unfortunate Department of Justice situation. Well, to make a long story short, this is where the concept of the beatdown came from, because that's what Ben and I do. We beat down on all of these individuals who deserve to be beaten down. But unfortunately, you're not going to get that type of information from mainstream or cable news media simply because they have restrictions and we don't. So Ben and I decided this is what we're going to do. We're going to create a live show out of this. We're then going to place it into a podcast situation so you can go back. You can tell your friends about it. 
It's going to be something special. I promise you. So let's just get right into it. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am to host this with you. And by the way, we're planning on doing this same time every week, Thursday at 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and then Tuesdays the same time. So twice a week. Maybe you'll get uh, Cohen and I doing it more than twice a week. But for now, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern, we are going to beat down on the fascists and beat down on those who are enabling fascists and the erosion of our democracy. And so let's start right at the top here with the New York Attorney General's fraud lawsuit. And look, Cohen, when this lawsuit was announced back in September, after a year and a half plus of the special proceeding, a deposition where Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment rights over 400 times, New York Attorney General Letitia James credited you as an, as being one of the main sources, if not the main source, to initiate this by providing the information about Donald Trump's fraudulent valuations. This case is set for trial um, early October of 2023. An emergency hearing was held, and I'll get into the nooks and crannies of the emergency hearing, but the big takeaway from the hearing is Judge Arthur and Goran saying, we are not moving that trial date. I want to be crystal clear with the Trump lawyers here. All of your tactics are not going to delay this thing. So from a 30,000 view, Cohen, what's this case about and how much trouble is Trump in for this case? All right. First of all, it'd be great if Salty, if you by chance happen to have the clip of Tish James credited me for it, because that then brings into obviously the um, testimony, the deposition that Donald gave that was recently released that just goes to show how absolutely inept and fucking stupid that he actually is. So if you have that and you could play it, just let me know. But it's why we call this the beatdown, all right? That's what we did. We went ahead, we provided the information that the attorney general needed, and what is she going to do now in this civil matter? Beat down onto Trump, beat down onto the Trump board, just as, just as it's already happened at the DA side, it will happen at the attorney general side. Now, as um, Bagel Ben had said not too you know, many seconds ago, what Judge Engeron has had enough. He's had enough. He has seen, and I have talked about it, so I'm sure much of it is coming from comments that I had made. Donald's tactic on everything is to delay, 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 and he will have none of that. He already told them, no frivolous motions, no more bullshit. I've had enough. It's going to start, I believe it's uh, October 2nd or 3rd of 2023. And this guy means business. He wants, he wants this thing over and done with. And what I really loved also is in the deposition, the recorded deposition that uh, Attorney General Tish James had with Donald the other day, she's explaining to him the distinction between a criminal and a civil procedure, a criminal and civil matter, uh, whereby he is being deposed. However, any lies that are told obviously have repercussions that can also be criminal. So this is really moving. It's moving very quickly. As I have said so many times, not just on this program, but on other news television outlets and through media, 
I don't believe that the base of $250 million is going to be where um, Tish James finishes this case because based upon what I know and the information that has been provided, I believe the number is at least six, $700 million. It is a multiple of the base that she's looking for. Here, here's what I love about this podcast is that we're getting the insider's view. I mean, we're not giving you a hypothesis. <laughs> you know, we're not give, we're not trying to act like these uh, analysts go, here's what I think is going to happen. Like Cohen has seen the financials. Like Cohen knows the documents. This is such a rare thing that while this is occurring in the real world, while these prosecutions are happening, while these massive civil lawsuits are happening, we have the main witness hosting this show, the political beatdown here, who's giving you the inside scoop. And so, you know, it's the inside scoop because Trump's calling Cohen out in the depositions um, before he invokes the fifth over and over again. Let's play this clip. The uh, video was just released, the video deposition of Donald Trump, where he invoked his Fifth Amendment rights over 400 times, which, by the way, in a civil case, when you invoke the Fifth Amendment like that, it's an adverse inference, unlike in a criminal case. So uh, you can go to the jury or go to the judge if you're the New York attorney general and say, look, Donald Trump pled the fifth when asked this question. You can infer, you can infer based on this that the reason that he is not answering the question is that because he is if he did answer the question truthfully, he'd be admitting guilt. He'd be admitting liability. So you should find them responsible for that. That's one of the many reasons that Trump's dead in the water on this one. But let's play this clip from the deposition. As a pretense for commencing her bogus investigation, Letitia James relied on the testimony of Michael Cohen, a convicted felon and liar. The Southern District of New York astutely described Cohen as a man who, quote, repeatedly used his power and influence for deceptive ends by engaging in, quote, extensive, deliberate and serious criminal conduct consistent with a, quote, pattern of deception that permeated his professional life. This was in a long, many page statement by him. It only gets worse. This is the witness, a stone cold loser, a real loser, that she used to justify her obsessive work, her obsessive investigation of me, even though he got in civil and criminal trouble for representing himself on a taxi cab company that he had and other things, and also others as a lawyer. Cohen, your reaction? <laughs> My reaction is, fuck you. All right. First of all, all you have to do is now take a look at Ellie Honig's new book, Untouchable, which is the bookend to revenge. All right. Something that, again, I will always tell everybody you have to read. It is the playbook for what Donald is doing right now. Donald is the one who set this thing up with his attorney general, Bill Barr. If anybody had not seen Two days ago, and we're going to post it here on Midas. We're going to make it a part of this thing. Rachel Maddow and Salty, if you have that one, it's absolutely fantastic. Please put it up for everyone to see. Rachel Maddow did a 15-minute takedown on Jeffrey Berman 
15 minutes that explains everything so well what Donald had done. And Judge William H. Pauley III, the judge in my case, first of all, Donald conflates nine different things. I didn't represent myself. I had counsel. My entire case, as you would read in Revenge, took place in 48 hours. And the only reason that I took the plea I had no choice. They were going to file an 80-page indictment from a Friday at 5.30 p.m. to a Monday that was going to include my wife. Now, unlike Donald, who doesn't care about anyone or anything other than himself, who would have thrown any one of his three wives under the bus, I'm a little bit different of a person. I actually love my wife dearly. I would not allow them to walk my wife out of my home in cuffs in front of the whole world for their publicity bullshit. The Southern District of New York, Tom McKay, Nick Roos, um, uh, you have Robert Kazami, you have Jeffrey Berman, Andrea Griswold, the whole lock, stock, and barrel of these bullshit artists. They will all be, all of this will be revealed in time simply because government still to this day refuses to give me any of the documents that we have made the request for under FOIA. All right. I'm talking 486,000 documents. And again, I talk about it in the book Revenge. They first claimed that nothing in our FOIA met with any of the documents that they had. It did not, um, it did not touch on any of the items that we had asked for in our FOIA request, we realized that that was wrong. I hired the counsel, Mark Zaid, who is, this is what he does for a living. They then come back with an apology. This matter is also being pursued by Ted Lieu, Hakeem Jeffries, Steve Cohen. It was by Carolyn Maloney, as well as Senator Dick Durbin, all to the IG. But this is yesterday, right? This is things that I've already done that will ultimately show to be true. It will be my revenge, my vindication against this corrupt Department of Justice, which Donald Trump is now trying to claim to be his own when he states weaponization of the Justice Department. It's a bunch of bullshit, which is just part of the 82 billion lies that Donald Trump had told the American people. But let's now take this and let's use this. Oh, by the way, somebody has to explain to me, how does the term stone cold get used with the term loser. It just doesn't make any sense, which again is why I say Donald is stupid. Stone Cold is somebody like a stone cold killer, right? Somebody who has no emotion. They don't care about life or anything like that. How does that term get used when you're talking about a loser? You want to call me a loser? Call me a loser. And the fact of the matter is, as it related to the taxi industry, he has no idea what he's talking about because I have never, which again, I talk about in the book, I have never filed a late tax return in my life. I have never owed the government any money. At least that's what I thought based upon my CPA, who I paid, this guy, Jeff Getzel, to do my, my um, tax, you know, my taxes. I gave him every single statement and I'm going to then put all of the checks that were deposited, every single dollar was in Capital One Bank, which was located the base of the building that I live in. And so moving forward, Attorney General Tish James has this guy literally by the short hairs. And trust me, with his mushroom pecker, you could bet that they're short hairs. They probably flip over too, from one nutsack to the other. My point is, when it comes to Donald, I promise you, the way that he was talking in that clip, that sort of... I'm on way too much Valium, or I didn't sleep for a month. 
I promise you, when this case goes to trial in October, he's going to be even worse because he may be the worst person to ever have on a witness stand to be deposed. It's why he hates being deposed because his true stupidity, his true intellect or lack of comes out. And I promise you, folks, the the pain that he is going to feel as a direct result of Tish James's civil case is unspeakable. Then there's the district attorney's case, which is criminal. And I'm sure Ben and I will be getting to that in a few minutes. Yeah, and look, Cohen, here, here's the difference. You spoke in front of Congress. You explained to them. You didn't invoke the fifth. You spoke times, with them. And the for, 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 eight times. I spoke to eight different congressional committees, eight times, each one nine hours, 72 hours of testimony. I may hold the record in American history for speaking before Congress, especially regarding an investigation. I never took the fifth. I may have said, I don't know about that. Um, I have no knowledge or information about it, but I never took the fifth. You, you know, know why? Did? Do you why? know why? Because only criminals take the fifth. Right, Donald? When he was talking about Hillary Clinton, who takes the fifth? Only well, salt, only salty, cue what took place for the rest of the deposition of Donald Trump after uh, him saying that about Cohen and reading a prepared statement, if you even want to call what Donald Trump was doing there reading. This is how the rest of the deposition went. Play the clip. For all of the above reasons, I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. Mr. Trump, the focus of our investigation and what we are primarily going to cover today involves the presentation of your statements of financial condition between 2011 and the present. Uh, I take it you are generally familiar with those statements. Is that correct? For all of the reasons provided in my answer, which is incorporated herein, in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. So what Donald Trump tried to do, why there was this emergency hearing, though, uh, that the attorney general had requested and Judge Arthur Engeron granted it right away in the answer that Donald Trump filed to the complaint that New York Attorney General Letitia James filed. So the answer responds to all of the allegations. Donald Trump and his adult children's responses were, we don't have the information to respond. They tried to not deny, well, they denied things that they shouldn't have denied that were absolutely true. But then with other things where they were asked, like, who leads the Trump organization? Is the Trump organization a Delaware corporation? Uh, is this LLC, you know, related to the Trump organization? The response was, we don't have, by, by Trump, we don't have the information to respond. Therefore, we can neither admit nor deny uh, and it was about a 300 page document. And so New York Attorney General Letitia James and lots of lawyers now in these Trump litigations, they're doing it because they know that these are all delay tactics by Donald Trump. So the moment Trump does that, they go right away right to the court, rush to the courthouse, tell the judge, look, he's trying to delay it. And that's what happened. And basically, after this hearing took place yesterday, uh, Judge Arthur Ngoron took a break and then Trump's lawyers backed down. When you confront Trump, he's very weak and he backs down. And his lawyer said that they were going to correct the, the answer and that they would file a new answer and that the trial date is not being moved. Let's talk, though, about 
the Manhattan uh, district attorney. Um, you were on the Midas Touch podcast a few weeks back after you were seen leaving a meeting with the Manhattan district attorney. I mean, look, you're one of the key witnesses, if not the key witness in that case. Um, I know there's a lot that you can't legally talk about um, to protect the integrity of the case. So we obviously want to respect that here. But about two weeks ago, after you had that meeting, we've now learned it's been reported that the, you know, and as we believed was go were going to happen after the meeting that you had, that there is now a criminal grand jury in Manhattan that is investigating Donald Trump for uh, tax fraud related crime, specifically the uh, Stormy Daniels hush money that Donald Trump, uh, you know, paid and or paid you paid and he he tried to hide and conceal as legal costs um, and that he blames 100 percent on you. So what's your reaction, though, in terms of what you can talk about and what's publicly out there um, regarding this grand jury and about this case in general? So I can't discuss anything as it relates to the impaneling of a grand jury. I can't discuss, you know, anything about going back in, testifying the whole nine yards. I had an interesting phone call today from a journalist, you know, who wanted to ask me a couple of questions. And I unfortunately, because my goal is to provide uncensored, raw truth, as I have whether it was to the Mueller team, whether it was to the attorney general, the district attorney, Mark Pomeranz, Carrie Dunn, while I was in uh, Otisville when they came up to visit. By the way, in case anybody is curious in regard to when Cy Vance was running the show just prior to Alvin Bragg taking office and you had Pomeranz and Dunn um, resigning seven weeks uh, into Alvin Bragg's um, into his tenure, one of the things that you may want to do is watch 60 Minutes. I heard that Mark Pomerantz is going to be on it. Uh, that's what this uh, journalist was asking me, if I know anything about the book that he's putting out. But I do suspect that it's probably uh, it's probably a pretty good uh, interview uh, on 60 Minutes. So I would certainly recommend watching that. But as it relates to this DA case, I've been asked not to um, disclose anything as it relates to what they're doing. Now, one of the things that did come out on my appearance on CNN with Don Lemon uh, yesterday morning, and believe me, it's early, you know, 7.15 a.m., one of the things that I did disclose is that the district attorney requested my two phones, the same two phones that were seized by the FBI during the April 2018 raid. And it took me a little time to find them because it's not the phone that I use any longer right after it was taken. Uh, and obviously, I was free to do what I wanted. I went to the store. I got myself another phone. Um, so these ended up in a massive box and got confused with some other boxes, ultimately found them, turned them over. They're charged. They're functional. They have everything on them. The district attorney had much of that, if not all of that information before why they wanted the phones. I don't know. I can speculate like anybody else. It's to have the originals in case anybody wants to challenge it. Maybe there was more that they wanted to see. I don't know. The more that I get sucked into this matter, the more I will be able to share down the line with our Midas family, with our 
beatdown family here, our political beatdown family, because one thing that I have no intention of doing is not sharing this information with the public. I believe in transparency. I believe the reason that I got my ass kicked so badly in that 48 hours, what the Southern District of New York did, is because there was no transparency. There still is no transparency as it relates to my case. And again, I, I, I request everyone to please pull up that Rachel Maddow. And we're going to put it onto the Midas um, site for everybody to see. It's a 15-minute. It explains so much about what I've been yelling from the rooftops for the last two and a half years since I was ultimately released. And then, of course, with the unconstitutional remand back to prison. So, my friends, I promise you, you stay with us. You're going to hear it from the guy who's there at the epicenter of this again. You know, and I also wanted to just touch on, I received another phone call this morning from another journalist who then asked me a question that nobody else has asked. Are you actually going to even participate? If they call you to the grand jury, will you willingly participate? Will you be a witness against Donald with this district attorney case? And I sat for a second before answering, which is what they teach you to do during depositions, uh, when you, whether you're giving it or you're the recipient. And I thought to myself, that's a question nobody has ever asked me, including the DA, whether or not I intend to be called as a witness. Uh, so I thought it was very, very interesting because, look, at the end of the day, there were a lot of MAGA crazies that are out there. Um, you may all recall when the MAGA crazies stormed the Capitol on January 6th. You see now all of these, both Republican and Democratic members of Congress, screaming that they need security, they need protection. Well, you know what? So do we. You know, this doesn't benefit um, me personally. I've already, I've already done my time. I've already been financially decimated, you know, by this. And it doesn't benefit Bagel Ben either or Midas because what happens is you create an ire from somebody as sick and crazy as Donald who has the ability to weaponize the Justice Department. He has the ability to create this MAGA army. And so the thing I said to the journalist is, I have no reason to say that I'm not, but I do actually want to speak to my wife and to my children because this affects them too. People don't realize just how injurious this entire process is, especially when you have people who are crazy that are willing to do anything for their Fuhrer. So, you know, that I'm not saying I'm not going to be a part of this. I most certainly am, but I do want everyone to understand that it does come with consequences, consequences far beyond, you know, um, what most people think or know. Well, look, and the consequences are right here. Look what Donald Trump reposted yesterday and Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut points this out and says, look, it will likely get little to no attention today that the current front runner for the Republican presidential nomination just told his supporters to start arming themselves for a civil war to overthrow the government in case he loses. 
just Trump being Trump, so quirky. And this is what Donald Trump reposted. Then they will have to figure out how to fight 80 million plus. It's not going to happen again. People my age and old will physically fight for him this time. What do we got to lose? I'll donate the rest of my time here on this planet to do it. And I know many others feel the same. They got my six and we are locked and loaded. Um, and Donald Trump reposts that. And that's the leader well, they, of the MAGA Republic. Right. They call it retruthed, which is hysterical because there's not he wouldn't know truth if it bit him in his ass. It is so dangerous what he's saying. Go ahead, Bagel Ben. I apologize. I shouldn't have interrupted. Go. For no, it. no, no. That, that I want to do to your point that that's what I'm going to read you another one that he posted. But but what's your response to that one? He's dangerous. And it's what I've been saying all along. It's one of the reasons, as you may recall, in my testimony before the House Oversight Committee, when I turned around, and I said, the reason I am here today is I have a fear. And what is my fear? It is that if Donald Trump loses the reelection, there will never be a peaceful transfer of power. What he is doing is he is trying to intimidate the American people. He's trying to intimidate the courts. He's trying to intimidate prosecutors. He's trying to intimidate everyone so that they do not charge him, that they do not go after him or his family or his inner circle for all of their dirty deeds. It's not happening. Trust me when I tell you. That's right. There are 80 million people, which I don't believe that that's the right number. Um, It's probably more like 16 to 20 million that are diehard Trump fans. But you also have to remember that of that 20 million, how many of them are older, where they're not going to be doing the things that Donald wants, which is to storm a capital, to start taking prisoners, to arm themselves, and to lead another insurrection against democracy, all right? But I do want people to understand, even a fraction of that number is serious numbers. And we all need to be vigilant. We need to keep our eyes and our ears open. We need to be safe. We need to be strong. It's why I also, please, I implore each and every one of you with us here today on our first podcast, tell your friends about Political Beatdown. Tell them to join us because this is not just a podcast. And I say this all the time, and I I hope people aren't getting angry at me for being repetitive But we are a family. We are a movement. We need to ensure that when Midas touch, when political beatdown speaks, and we all are going to assemble somewhere, that we have force larger than Donald's force in order to combat it. Because rest assured, if we don't, and we sit back and we put our head in the sand, waiting for this stuff to pass, we may find ourselves in an America that we don't recognize. And that's the danger of Donald Trump. You know, I end my book, Revenge, with a quote. Well, it's a line that I had written. Trumpism is fascism. And we need to erase it from our body politic. We do. And I'm imploring everyone to please tell your friends about this. Make sure that they join us in this movement. Because we need to be so strong that not only do we put fear into the, into the hearts of the Republicans, But at the same time, we have the ability to wield force within the Democratic Party in order to ensure that things get done that protect all of us, that provide benefits for all of us, not just 
the elite class that appears, you know, to claim that they're representing us. Here, here's one of the other posts that he made. This one uh, seems to be about you, uh, where it says, with respect to the, quote, stormy nonsense. And by the way, you see his new avatar. It's this weird uh, image of his like face looking, you know, ominous with the American flag painted over it, desecrating the American flag. I mean, it, it, just a, a sick, disgusting traitor. Like, like in every aspect, this individual is like the most despicable person ever. Anyway, I by, the way, you do, by the way, do you do notice that he spelled counsel wrong? He, yeah, as, do I have to tell everybody how stupid he is? Honestly, first of all, it's C-O-U-N-S-E-L, which is what he's trying to say. Um, He's so he's so dumb. Actually, many people think from that tweet, Bagel Ben, that he's acknowledging that he had the relationship with Stormy Daniels. Yeah, we should. Take, and, why don't you let's take this? Let's take the whole thing apart, right? Let's just so let's is, just take it apart. This is, so I'll I'll read it and let's break it down. With respect to the quote Stormy nonsense, it is very old and happened a long time ago, long past the very publicly known and accepted deadline of the statute of limitations. I placed full reliance on the judgment and advice of counsel spelled incorrectly, who I had every reason to believe had a license to practice law, was competent and was able to appropriately provide solid legal services. He came from a good law firm, represented other clients over the years and there was no reason not to rely on him and i did yeah it sounds like a confession to me it sounds like it to me to me as well however let's see what he's doing here what he's trying to do and obviously he got some advice from somebody um decided to then try to be his normal unclever self and you know deflect and to blame somebody else because if you've noticed over the course of Donald's history, he never accepts responsibility for anything. It's always somebody's fault. It's Michael's fault. It's Rudy's fault. It's Alina Habahabahababa's fault, right? <laughs> it's, you know, it's everybody else's fault except for his. Let's be very clear about something. I'm not the one who had the affair. He did. In fact, he had it before I was even working for him. Um, <laughs> the notion that I'm supposed to tell him that he doesn't or he shouldn't do an NDA. This is not going to be, it's just not going to be beneficial to him. But the best part and the part that is hands down the stupidest of all is the notion that there is a statute of limitations bar on this case for so many reasons that it is not. But I promise you, all right. The district attorney of Manhattan with the hundred lawyers that are working on this. <laughs> I assure you that this is a question that originally came up and they have everything in their arsenal to ensure that the statute of limitations defense that his counsel will attempt to interpose will not be accepted, will not be granted by the court. Cohen, I couldn't agree more with you. And you mentioned Alina Haba there. She was not in court at the emergency hearing that took place yesterday. Um, there was a filing in the E. Jean Carroll federal case where E. Jean Carroll's lawyer said that Haba 
said that she was withdrawing from the case and Trump was bringing in Joe Takapino. They brought in Takapino and Habba said, no, I'm still clinging on because like Habba, Habba doesn't know how to really be a real lawyer. She doesn't know how to try cases anyway. You know, it's all bluster and and bravado and She's, that's why she was sanctioned. I mean, for a lot of reasons, but, you know, with these frivolous lawsuits that she's attached to, Trump's been held in contempt. She's been sanctioned and he's been sanctioned over one million dollars uh, in the Southern District of Florida. They then had to withdraw all the other cases that she filed in, in these various other federal courts, including one in a federal court in New York that was before the Second Circuit. Another one that was pending before the same judge, Donald Middlebrooks, in the Southern District of uh, Florida. Um Judge Donald Middlebrooks in his sanction order, though, also basically said that Alina Habba should be disbarred. He didn't use those exact words, but said that, you know, sanctions enough, sanctions alone is not enough and that ethics and state bars need to look into her. So I think that she's going to be in a lot of hot water there with her legal license filing that frivolous lawsuit. I don't know if the New York bar has already started an inquiry, but it's everything Trump touches dies. Alina Alina Habba got to at least see what was happening before her with other with, with other counsel as well. Look what's happening with John Eastman. Eastman uh, is now likely going to be disbarred in California. California State Bar filed a proceeding against him. Is Alina Habba in? Is she out? I mean, she's eventually going to be out. It's obvious, you know, whether, you know, whether it's Trump firing her or her being disbarred or something happening like that. But you know, it, it, it the whole thing is just so strange and and as uh, Gen Z would say, um, cringy. But I'll also add fascist to it as well. <laughs> exactly. Now, there's another lawyer as well, the one who signed the affidavit stating that there are no more documents or records being kept at Mar-a-Lardo, um, which turned out to be false. My understanding is that there's a bar complaint against that lawyer as well. But since we're on the topic of bar complaints, this is a really interesting, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I posted something uh, yesterday and then again this morning. I filed a bar complaint against Jeffrey Berman, the former head of the Southern District of New York here um, you know, with the New York State Bar Association. And I did it because in his own book, he acknowledges that while he was recused, and that means he is not permitted to be a part or have anything to do with this case, right? It's the whole concept of building the wall. He was supposed to step aside. Everything was supposed to run through this guy, Kazami, that was his second in command. He steps aside, but main justice, Bill Barr and his people were contacting him on a regular basis, making claims, all right, that they need to whitewash documents, that have Donald's name attached to it or individual number one. In fact, that they did that to over 20 pages of the document in my charging, in in the charging document against me. This is interesting. So the New York State Bar Association then responds back, and I give quotes from Jeffrey Berman's own book. All right, I give quotes, the Bar Association comes back, and says, well, he also said in his book that he did nothing wrong, so they're not going to investigate. Well, what I did then is I attached Rachel Maddow's 15-minute takedown of Bill Barr of, yep, that's that's it right there. All right, I then go ahead and I um, attach to the Bar Association that YouTube video. Um, they're t- telling us that they can't use it, so I'm getting the transcript and I'm going to have it sent in a different format 
you know, to them, which is the takedown of Bill Barr, Jeffrey Berman, and so on. To make a long story short, I asked for a reconsideration, and I will once again keep everybody in the loop because, as Bagel Ben said a minute ago, everything Donald Trump touches dies. But it's not, he doesn't have to be, you know, the opposite of the Midas touch guy, right? I mean, it's funny that Midas touch where everything turns to gold. He's the, you know, he's the shit guy where everything he touches just dies. At the end of the day, all right, it's not just him. Bill Barr, a guy, do you know, this is amazing. Uh, a journalist spoke to Bill Barr the other day and tried to lock in on him regarding me and how Donald Trump used him and whether or not he feels bad about it. His comment to this journalist, and you can't make this shit up. Michael who? Michael Cohen who? I have no idea who he is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you possibly imagine that that's what this idiot would say? I have no idea why he has not been pulled in front of many different, like the House Judiciary, the Senate Judiciary, somebody. How is it possible that he has not been brought forward? I don't know the answer to that. But I want to go one step further, too. It's not just Jeffrey Berman from the Southern District of New York who I filed the bar complaint. I want everybody to be held accountable. And I'm doing it to protect our democracy. These people cannot get away with it. And rest assured, and I say this again in revenge, and I ask everyone to get the book to read it so you understand what I'm saying to you. I did this as well to a guy named Brent Blakely in California. I filed that document, that bar complaint, 18 months ago, and I'm still waiting for a determination from the California bar. I mean, this bullshit has to stop. People have to be held accountable. And when I say people have to be held accountable, I don't only mean the poor, the minority, the black and brown, the Hispanic, those that can't defend themselves. I'm talking about people who have positions of power. They're the ones that are more dangerous than the people on the street, right? It is absolutely inconceivable to me that 18 months should, should pass by. And the answer that they've given me as to why it's taken so long, well, this is a very high-profile case, so it has to go through multiple channels of review. Interesting thing is at the very beginning of that case, the attorney that was working and doing the investigation, my understanding is that she moved on to a private firm and that somehow my file got lost. Now, if you believe that bullshit, I have three bridges here in New York to sell you. They're not doing too well in terms of shape, which is why we needed an infrastructure bill. But nevertheless, they're for sale and I got it for you. That's how crazy it is. We, Midas Touch, Michael Cohen, the Micellus brothers, Maya Culpa, all of you together, we have to ensure that these people are held accountable because every single day they tread just a little bit further down the road in terms of destroying our democracy. And not while we're breathing, we will not let this happen. You know how I know we mind meld because you stole my infrastructure act corny joke that, that I was going to make. You took it. I was like, I got the infrastructure act joke ready to go. You took it. But you did mention the House Judiciary Committee, which is now being controlled by a bunch of MAGA nutcases led by Jim Jordan and Matt Gates is on it. You know, we've seen this week all of this like performative 
weird crap going on by these MAGA Republicans. Um, and one of them is in the House Judiciary Committee, which they said, look, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, one of the MAGA members can always say the Pledge of Allegiance before the House Judiciary Committee, you know, starts the meetings. Like, OK, sure, like do it. I don't I don't think you need a resolution for that, but just do the pledge. It's it's OK. But you know, what we've seen in these committee meetings, you know, basically led by Hakeem Jeffries' fierce defense of democracy and the kind of unification of Democrats pushing back against these fascist MAGA Republicans. I We've seen so many examples of it, but this is the one I want to show on our show right now in the House Judiciary Committee, where um, after Matt Gates introduced the Pledge of Allegiance resolution, a Democratic Congress member, David Cicilline, added a caveat. He added an amendment and said, so long as insurrectionists, individuals who support the overthrow of our democracy and who supported the insurrectionists on January 6th, they won't be able to lead the Pledge of Allegiance. I think we have this clip. It's quite incredible. If we could play it salty, let's play that clip right now. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, um, you know, Mr. Issa just made reference to how important it is for us to display our commitment to the Constitution and to commit to defend it aggressively. So I'd like to offer an amendment to the amendment, uh, adding in the second paragraph where the chair may designate an individual to lead the Pledge of Allegiance to add the following language. Provided, however, the pledge shall not be led by an individual who supported an insurrection against the government of the United States in any way. Because I think if we adopt this amendment, then we will be truthful in, in representing that stating this pledge is an affirmation of your defense of democracy and the Constitution. It's hard to take that claim seriously if, in fact, an individual who in any way supported an insurrection against the government of the United States is allowed to leave the pledge. So I would ask Mr. Gates to accept this friendly amendment, and I look forward to supporting it. Would the gentleman yield for I first a ask question? Mr. Gates if he'll support the amendment. To make sure that someone who led an insurrection against the United States doesn't make a mockery of the Pledge of Allegiance and stand before this committee with their hand over their heart claiming to support the Constitution. Mr. Cicilline, my concern would be if your definition of an insurrection is objecting to electors, then there would be many Democrats on the committee that wouldn't be eligible to lead the pledge since so many that, That's objected. not my definition I of I mean, the, the last Republican president I'll to get concede, sworn in absent I'll Democrat objectors me, was George Herbert Mr. Walker Bush. Claiming my time escapes, I will allow the chairman to determine whether or not someone has participated in insurrection in the United States. I think this language is important. Would the gentleman further yield? I'm asking Mr. Gates, will you now accept the amendment? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that, that you may be disqualifying too many of your own members, Mr. Sisson. I'm not concerned about that at all. Then agree to the amendment. With, with let's, the, let's make this real. If you want to give someone the right to stand before the House Judiciary Committee and lead the Pledge of Allegiance at a bare minimum, Let's guarantee that that person has not participated or supported or in any way helped an overthrow of the government of the United States. With the gentleman like yield. a simple proposition. <laughs> and Cicilline was great. He's like, I'm not worried about that at all. Okay, t tell me which Democrat. I know you want to do well. What about this? What about that? No, y'all led an insurrection on January 6th, including you, Gates, you who asked for a blanket pardon 
regarding all of your criminal activity throughout your entire freaking life to Donald Trump and all of you others on the Judiciary Committee and the MAGA Republicans in Congress who have also asked for pardons for their conduct, leading insurrections and all their other criminal conduct. Cohen, what's your reaction to that? This is exactly why I keep saying, thank God for all of the folks that are with us today that are part of the Midas Touch family, that are going to be part of the political beatdown family, the mea culpa family. These people do not belong wearing congressional pins. They do not belong as members of the of our, you know, of our house. They just don't. Look how look how stupid this makes us look in the eyes of the rest of the world. The fact that you have somebody who was charged with underage sex trafficking of young females and males, his wingman, this guy Joe Greenberg, ends up going away. This is, Matt Gates is like a little mini Donald, right? This is absolutely insane that somebody else can go away for his complicity in a felony, in a crime. And he he's now the chair of the House Judiciary. Folks, what the fuck is wrong with us? What are we doing? Can you imagine what's going to happen now? What's going to happen when you know, they they really get themselves situated. They sit down, they decide, oh, you know what? The House Judiciary is going to call John Doe or Jane Smith, you know, to the, you know, to the House for testimony simply. And then they're going to subpoena that person simply to go after Joe Biden, simply to go after Hunter Biden, simply to go after Kamala Harris, simply to go after Nancy Pelosi, simply to go after Michael Cohen, Ben Micellis. I mean, who knows who they're going to go after? This is the danger when you have people like Matt Gates as the chair. I mean, the fact that- Well, Cohen, well, Cohen to be never- fair, to, to be fair, the chair is actually Jim Jordan, who covered up sex abuse at Ohio State University for a wrestling coach who sexually abused close to 20 or 30 right. of the individuals right. in that program. Matt Gates has a leadership right. position. He's, a leadership on the, position. he's accused of sex trafficking uh, minors and raping minors. So we've got both of those on leaders, which it, it, the clarification makes it worse. Yeah, I, I agree. My apologies. You are right. Uh, He's in a leadership position role. I mean, this is so dangerous. The fact that he's even on the judiciary, if in fact he's innocent of the charges, right, then so be it. He's innocent. Go back to your position and so on. But the fact that these charges are still pending, from what I understand, I don't know that he has been, you know, relieved of these, you know, of this investigation. I don't know what's happening. It's it goes to show you why a podcast like this is so necessary because now we're going to go do our investigation and find out what happened because I don't know. They have not been transparent with it. And the same thing when it comes to Jim Jordan. This is a serious allegation that he has been sitting with for years. And the fact that he could be the chair, this just goes to show you why we need to be so vigilant, why we need to ensure that everybody you know, that everybody remains active, proactive to ensure that people like this are not reelected. They do not have the right. They do not have the qualification. They do not have the 
they, they don't have what it takes in order to be representatives of the people. That's just how I feel about it. And, you know, one of the things actually that one of our um, viewers today was talking about, I'm going to call her, um, him or her out, uh, Marta it's a, a woman, uh, Womack, writes, regular people are held accountable with overkill. The rich, political, or famous get off scot-free. Not cool. Well, you're 100% correct. That's the point that I'm trying to make. That's what Ben and I are trying to do with this podcast, what we do with our other podcasts as well, what I'm doing with the book Revenge. I am ensuring that people understand that there are others that are out there that are fighting as hard as we can in order to combat what is wrong with our Department of Justice, with the inappropriate sentencing guidelines that only seem to affect the non-rich. Well, I mean, I was rich in my time. Look what happened to me. But I was opposed to somebody much richer and more powerful than I. This cannot happen. This is handmaid's tale stuff. And the second we allow them to do this, to violate our constitutional rights, to take advantage of the judicial system, to weaponize the Department of Justice, that will be the end of our democracy. Cohen, you mentioned these individuals, these fascists, disgracing the congressional pins that they're wearing. I don't know if you caught this. Like, this is real. This isn't a made-up meme. So the MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives, they've now removed their American lapel pin from the other uh, side of their jackets, and they're now all donning AR-15 pins in honor of school shootings, promoting school shootings. Now, you talk about what the world thinks of the United States of America. I mean, there you have uh, two MAGA Republicans there, one George Santos. And both of them, by the way, that you just saw there, they like changed their names and they've like had multiple identities. Like that's one of the things with these MAGA Republicans. Like they've changed names, changed identities to grift or, or whatever, just beyond just weird, weird crap. But I want you to think about that. You know, these individuals, they remove their American lapel pins. And it's not unique to those two. This is what the MAGAs and the House Republicans are wearing. This is real. Uh, they're wearing AR-15s to celebrate school shootings. I mean, it could not be more disgusting than that. And that the fact that there's a constituency for that. And, you know, while whatever the hell that dystopian, disgusting, performative display of promoting schools, whatever that is, uh, there's additional news on the legal side for us to cover about George Santos. The FBI's opened up another investigation into Santos. They're, of course, investigating him out of the Eastern District of New York for campaign finance violations. Santos claims he loaned himself $700,000. He obviously doesn't have that money. He's lying about that. It came from someone else to try to do an end run around the campaign finance limit of $5,800 per cycle, 2,800 primaries, 2,800 in the general for a total of $5,600. So uh, Department of Justice, FBI is investigating that. They're also investigating now the fact that he set up a GoFundMe account for disabled homeless veterans to raise money for their pets claiming that they were going to provide life-saving treatment for their pets. And then uh, Santos, using the name Anthony DeValder, he would steal the money that was supposed to go to life-saving treatment for the pets 
of homeless, disabled veterans. And then he would mock the veterans and call them needy and telling him to shut the F up. And I mean, there's text messages of this, um, of, of him saying this. And, uh, you know, the, the veteran in question, his name is Ostoff, is, is, is one of the veterans. You know, he provided his text messages to the, to the patch, which is a uh, local newspaper which published those messages. I, I mean, y- y- you can't get more low than this. And speaking of the MAGA Republicans, like rewarding that, they originally rewarded Santos. They put him on the small business committee that oversees PPP fraud in small businesses. They put a fraud to do the oversights of PPP loan fraud when indeed the MAGA Republicans were the ones taking hundreds of thousands of dollars and millions of dollars in some cases of PPP money, getting that debt forgiven, but then also attacking Americans when Biden proposes a plan to relieve $10,000 of student debt for people making less than $125,000. We need to talk in the terms that you and I talk like this because we got to tell Americans this is we got to call these people out as disgusting effing traitors. We just got to call them out and just be direct. They're losers. They're traitors. They're MAGA fascists and they are anti-American. Let's use the right language and we're going to use that language on the political beatdown because do I agree with Democrats and Biden on everything? No, I disagree. I disagree on a lot of things, but, you know, where a political parties focused on having a living wage for people and bringing manufacturing jobs and developing plans for infrastructure and protecting a woman's right over her body and making health co- health care costs lower and focusing on making education more accessible and affordable and helping veterans get life saving care. Like those are real freaking things. And then you have MAGA Republicans, these freaking idiots, these freaking traitor losers wearing AR-15 pins on their jacket, like disgusting freaking traitors. Cohen, you see, you get me going a little bit on the show. Yeah, well, that's the whole purpose here. I mean, (laughs) one of the things in Salty, if you could put this up as well, you know, Jared Kushner, who it's been reported, received over $2 billion from the Saudis to run as a fund. I mean, the guy is incapable. It was disclosed by members of the Saudi uh, Investment Authorities Committee that he is incapable and not competent to do it. He himself received over three point, what they say, like $3.65 million. $3.65 million in PPP money. This is the guy who allegedly over the four years that he and Ivanka, right, Javanka together pulled down over $400 million while they were working in the White House. She received over two dozen or so Chinese patents, or I shouldn't say patents, um, she, uh, which, uh, to, to her various different uh, items. Uh, she received uh, what is it, Bagel Ben? I'm referring to. She received like a trademark protection, trademarks, trademarks uh, to over a dozen Chinese products and so on. I mean, these are the people. Three point six five million dollars to something like twenty five different companies that Kushner was involved with. Could you? Yeah, there you go. Could you imagine this shit? I mean, 
at some point in time, somebody has to scratch their head and say, why are these people not being prosecuted? Don't people understand? And when I say people, I'm referring to the Republicans and not to just the MAGAs. I'm talking about all the Republicans that are out there. This is who Donald is. This is who he surrounded himself in Washington with. I mean, the Steve Bannons, the Steve Millers, right? The Dan Scavinos of the world. I mean, the Jim Jordans of the world. Why? Why? You know, I, I shouldn't say Jim Jordan. He didn't take any PPP money. Let's be fair to Jim on this one. All right. People are entitled to have taken PPP money, but you're supposed to take it for the right purpose. You know why? Because it costs you and I money. There's now a deficit in this country that is so great. We are destroying our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren's futures because they have to pay this back. And it's to have money stolen when you're trying to do the right thing by America because of this pandemic, to me, makes you the lowest form on earth. Makes you just shit upon shit that, you know, you think that Uncle Sam is here to give you money simply because you can take advantage of it. And the bad thing that Trump did here is the role. Look, let's give the guy credit for what was needed. He needed, Americans needed PPP money. It got done. Of course, let's not forget he held it up because he wanted his name on the checks, not Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury. Okay, ego, yada, yada. Americans needed that PPP money. But did Kushner need it? Did Kushner Company need it? The answer is an emphatic no. So why did why was it given? Where's the oversight? How is this thing being run? Do people know that there's like a trillion dollars missing from the PPP allotment? Well, where is that money? Could you imagine what's happening in this country? The theft of money from our coffers. It's just astronomical. And I really hope that under this administration, somebody, and listen, I'd like to stick a fire under Merrick Garland's ass on something. There should be a PPP fraud investigation unit immediately set up. And if you don't qualify, return the money with payment, with an interest in principle payment, not uh, interest in penalty. It'd be an interesting concept to set up too. Maybe you had a 30-day kind of safe harbor. You announce what you were saying. You have this PPP task force. You announce a safe harbor provision, basically saying we're get, you know the same way they do that sometimes with like returning drugs or guns. Like return the money in 30 days, and you're not going to be prosecuted. And then we're going to go after everybody, you know, everybody else. But what doesn't really get enough attention, and, and it needs to is how disorganized the PPP program itself was necessary at the time, but how disorganized within which it was implemented by Trump is also something that uh, needs to be called out. But it brings me to another point. You know, PPP technically would be a form of socialism if you really broke it down or, 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 or a strand of it, which is, you know, an interesting concept because in the House Rules Committee, and this is what I want to close with, this incredible moment 
by Maxine Waters, where talking about all this MAGA Republican performative BS in the House Rules Committee, the MAGA Republicans wanted to introduce a nine, a non-binding resolution that condemns socialism in all its forms. And then the concept, though, of in all of its forms is a bit of odd phrasing because what we're going to talk about Medicare and Social Security, like where do, where, where do we draw the line in, in all of its forms? And so Maxine Waters, unlike these MAGA Republican cowards, she has the courage or just being a leader that she is. She goes, I'm going to testify in front of the House Rules Committee under oath, swear me in, ask me questions about why I think this proposal that these House MAGA Republicans are making is utterly stupid and utterly makes no sense. And so you have this MAGA Republican who's asking uh, these questions to Maxine Waters, um, you know, basically like the uh, un-American committee that McCarthy won started back in, uh, you know, uh, over uh, over 80 years ago at this point or 70 years ago saying, do you condemn Vladimir Putin? And he goes, what does Vladimir Putin, Trump and Kim Jong-un have in common? Do you condemn these people? You got to watch this, Cohen. And I finally got to ask you to react to this and then we'll close this up. But let's play this clip of Maxine Waters being questioned by a MAGA Republican idiot um, for this performative, ridiculous, non-binding resolution that MAGA Republicans wanted everybody to condemn socialism in all its forms. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're taking PPP money. Here, play the clip. Pension just says everything about my friends across the aisle, that you can't condemn socialism. I mean, in your opening remarks, you were talking about Putin, Kim Jong-un, and, and Z. You know what they all have in common, right? Trump. <laughs> Trump? <laughs> North, North Korea, China, and Russia. He loves Kim Jong-un. That, that's quite the intellectual leap. I would say communism. Uh, would you like to denounce any communist leaders? Well, I don't know what you're asking, but let me just. The leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, has made often glowing, described authoritarians like Kim Jong-un, who is condemned in the resolution. Regarding North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, Trump uh, said Kim wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters, and we fell in love. You sure you want to hear the rest of it? <laughs> Cohen, take hey, it Listen, out. Maxine Waters is the best. I mean, you know, good for her. First of all, it was said with great humor. It was said with integrity, and it was honest and truthful. And that's all that we want from our representatives honesty, truthfulness, direct to the point. And that's who Maxine Waters is. She's no bullshit. She's there, you know, as a representative of the people. And she's 100% correct in everything that she said. Now, I know what these Republicans, you know, like to do when they have a camera on them and they have the microphone. Remember, I mean, you just go back to the House Oversight Committee when every single Republican attacked me based upon credibility, based upon uh, information that they had no idea about, but simply following the game plan. And this guy was doing no different. Um, he was following the Trump playbook. He was protecting his fearless leader, the Fuhrer, and she really dished him an ass whooping, made him look stupid and good for her. 
Ass whoopings is what the political beatdown is all about. A new podcast right here on the Midas Touch Network featuring Michael Cohen and me, uh, Ben Micellis. We will be having these shows live every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern. And I also encourage you to check out the audio. There may be a bit of a delay on the audio loading because this is the first episode and you have to create the new feed right after we put this live on. So excuse it if this first episode's on a brief delay, but you can search for the political beatdown, Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis, and you can check it out um, on both audio as well as right here on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel right now. Make sure you set your alerts and make sure you're here every Tuesdays and Thursdays, Thursdays and tell your friends, coworkers, family members, people that you know about this show. This show is going to be making waves for sure uh, within the American political community and internationally as well. Want to encourage everybody to check out Michael Cohen's new book. Michael Cohen, of course, is the author of the New York Times number one bestseller, Disloyal. His new book is Revenge, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. You can get it wherever books are sold and available online or elsewhere. Or just check out revenge-thebook.com. Also, do we have those Mar-a-Lardo t-shirts? Do we've got that at store.midastouch.com. Uh, go to store.midastouch.com. You could get the best Midas Touch gear there, and we even have a Mar-a-Lardo t-shirt that you can check out at store.midastouch.com. Consider also joining the Midas Touch Patreon site at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Cohen, you and I should start a Patreon as well. We could do fun things. But for now, everybody, check out patreon.com slash Midas Touch um, and become a member there. And Cohen and I will start our own where we'll figure out ways to maybe we could have Zoom meetings and a bunch of other cool stuff. We'll talk about that and online. You will all, that's right. And you will all be the first to know everything from the inside. That's the beauty of the beatdown. I want to thank everybody for joining Michael Cohen and myself. Cohen, final words. Final words. Thank you all for joining us. Tell your friends. I promise you, you will always be the first. You will always be in the know. And this community is growing. And we will not sit back. We will not do nothing. Together, we will all win. Shout out to the Midas Mighty.